What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Sai, back again. Happy 2022 to everyone. Today's topic, mental health. I mean, when you hear the topic mental health, you kind of relate this to the quote, health is wealth, right? So you don't necessarily need to be rich in terms of monetary and money, in terms of money in order to be wealthy. You can also be healthy and know more about, you know, how to treat yourself, how to make sure that you're mentally um, strong to be able to go through challenges in life and just keep being positive in whatever you're doing, no matter how tough life is, right? So in order to talk more about that, we have Mr. Mr. T, Mr. Danny Torowa, who is currently the director of sport at Excel World Academy. He's been my personal mentor for quite a while now. What's going on, sir? How are you doing? I'm good, side. Good to, good to see you. Good to hear from you. Looks like yes, you're sir. doing well. <laughs> likewise, likewise. When so Thanks. when you hear when you hear the word mental health, like what comes to your mind? Like, oh yeah, big question, sign. Big question. Like it's a big, it's a hot topic these days, right? Uh, particularly as we're going through this um, this global pandemic, which seems to be, you know, it's quite a traumatic experience for everybody in their own level, but on lots of different levels as well. So the whole mental health. Um, buzzword or, or, or um, theme at the, at, that's been going on in the last few years has, has been heightened, I guess, with as we all deal with what we're going through as a result of this COVID. It certainly wasn't a term that I heard uh, when I was your age growing up as a young guy. Mental health wasn't something that was spoken about uh, as much as it is now. Uh, almost you hear something about mental health on a daily basis these days. But I can't recall... Um, you know, 25, 30 years ago when I was at high school hearing anything about uh, about mental health, you know, you had to just suck it up and harden up and be tough and get on with it, you know? Definitely. So um, attitudes have changed greatly, which is a good thing. Definitely a good thing. So, look, um, to answer your question, um, I think what I've realised um, probably in the last 18 months or so, um, and in the work that I do, as you're aware, I, I work with young athletes. Um, but recently, you know, with just some of the, I'm always reading stuff. I'm always listening to podcasts from various people um, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna get new knowledge from. Uh, and some of the books I've been reading in the past sort of six months have focused on um, different areas of our lives that uh, that that are essential. To our, to our existence and that sort of led me to sort of um, I thought one day I need to put all of these ideas that I had gathered from all these various people and also from my own experiences as a teacher and as a coach and as an athlete you know for the last 35 or so years mm-hmm. and um, one of the things when I started to put all this information down on paper I realized that um, I sort of realizes four um, key parts of our lives that um, underpin everything else that we do mm-hmm. all right and so then when I started to think about well, how can I how can I frame this up um, I I sort of looked at everything and I thought well there's probably four key pillars to our existence as human beings as people right and without yeah. these four without these four key pillars being being um, acknowledged and being um, seen as, as valuable uh, and, as I said, as the, the key to our existence, then we can't, uh, in my opinion, and, and let me preface this by saying this is all my own opinion. I'm not a, I'm not a sports scientist or any kind of scientist or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any, any uh, extra um, qualifications apart from my experience mm-hmm. working in education and, right. and, and in sport. So these are, this is purely my perspective and my, my opinions based on what I have read and, and listened to and, and people that I've spoken to. Mm. So I, I sort of come up with this term, the, the pillars of existence. Um, and, and I realized that these are four things that if we don't acknowledge as being really important to our, to our, in our lives and we don't um, place importance in how we deal with these four pillars, then... Mm. We can't we can't operate, right? Yep. And that, that, that going back to your original question about mental health, without these four pillars being strong um, 
and we're consistently working on these four pillars, everything else that we want to be the other little parts of our lives mm-hmm. um, are that much harder. Right. So this, this sort um, of sets the foundation for our existence, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and it's, uh, if we want to talk about science, I guess it's just what it is to be human, you know, what sets us apart in some ways. So, um, you know, what, what I want to sort of share with you today, so what we had sort of spoken about prior to, to you know, to, to setting this podcast up is um, this, I, I put together a presentation around these four pillars that I've uh, presented to um, to parents uh, online in, a, in an online seminar and also to the athletes that I work with at, at my school. Um, and, and the response from both the athletes who are, you know, your age and then mm-hmm. parents has been really positive and, um, and the feedback I've received has been uh, really, really valuable in me saying, okay, what is, what is I th- think is a really simple, simple fundamental parts of, of our lives mm-hmm. need to be consciously uh, acknowledged and consciously spoken about. Right. So look, I, I you know, I'll, I'll quickly explain these pillars and you know mm. and, and let, let me let me ask you a question so sure there's four pillars what do you think those four pillars are honestly sir um it's the four pillars of existence right so when you said that uh, as i said it was it sets the foundation for existence so i guess it's like um physical i, I mean i'm just throwing out words like physical mental spiritual I don't know what the last one is. I'm not sure. Right. Look, yeah, you, you, you've got one. Well, sort of. I've got one. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and what I guess the easiest way is I'll, let me just run through these, give you some background. Um, again, it's all it's all research uh, research based. There is a bit of science behind some of the some of the uh, information, um, but then it ties in nicely to my experiences as well, and that's why it really sort of resonated with me and it sort of hit home mm-hmm. with me about. These are really important. The first pillar side is movement. Okay, you said physical, but I guess movement at the very, very basic sense of it is we, uh, as human beings, we were built as animals. We were we're, we're built to move, right? Right. Um, True. You know, we're built to walk. We're built to run, to jump, to stand, to 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 to, to roll. You know, we. We have, a, we're, we have a body that allows us to move in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite simply, the more we move, the stronger mm-hmm. we become. And the, and the reverse to that is so obvious that the less we move, the weaker we become. And so when we think about our lives today, mm-hmm. 2022, we have made our lives so much simpler and so easy and so comfortable that we don't move nearly as much today as we did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, because now true. everything everything is made easy for us. We sit down, we have a remote in our hands so we can change the TV channel. We have a phone in our hands so we can dial up and order food and it's there within an instant. Uh, we can sit around all day with a phone and, and, and some sort of device and we can, we can enjoy ourselves without having to actually get up off the, off the sofa. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, we order a grab to go 500 meters down the road instead of walking there. Right, um, <laughs> right, yeah. So, so yeah. movement is, is is one of the is one of the pillars, and, and we're not moving as much as we used to. And, and what happens is we're actually moving as much as we need to, as we feel we need to, not as much as we should be moving. Mm-hmm. So what I say by 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 we're moving as much as we need to, we're moving to do the things that, are, that we need to do in our lives, i.e. we get up out of bed, we move to the bathroom, then we move to the kitchen and have some breakfast, then we pack our bag and we move and we go off to school and we walk to the bus or we walk to the train or we walk to the cab, then we mm. get to school and we walk to our classes. But every opportunity we can, we're trying to sit down or lie down or rest or make things easy, right? So we're sacrificing opportunities to move, which is what our body wants. Yeah. So we're only moving the bare minimum that we need to move to be able to accomplish what we have to do on our normal day-to-day lives. So, so what's happening is we're not stressing our body. And our body needs to be stressed. 
so it can adapt, so it can be stronger, so it becomes more resilient. Right. So are you are you saying that we're not exactly being we're, we're like comfortable? We're not like stepping outside of our comfort zone. Is that what you're trying to say? Absolutely. That's okay. exactly what I'm trying to say. We're doing the bare minimum we need to do to get through our lives in terms of movement. In terms now, of movement, right? Yeah. Of course, there are others like yourself who are athletes, you know, and those that enjoy physical activity. And you're making a conscious effort to go out and do training because a it makes you feel good, b you've got a purpose for that training, or c going back to your original question, you know that you're going to feel a lot better after having a hard training session in terms of your mental health. Right. Okay. True. Yeah. However, there's a lot of people who aren't doing that, more yeah. and more so these days than in the past. And as a result, we're not developing our muscle structure. Therefore, our bones are weakening, our tendons and our ligaments are weakening, uh, our, the neurons that run in our nervous system, all our organs are getting weaker, our body is becoming weaker and weaker because we're not moving the way that we were built to move. Right. And, yeah. you know, again, cardiovascular efficiency and endurance decreases. These are, mm -hmm. these are, this is the science behind it. So, you know, if our body, if we don't stress our body by moving more than normal, then it starts to close down. It starts to it starts to adapt in a negative sense, in the sense that okay, I don't have to do any more than what he's asking me to do. So that's all I'm going to do. Right. right? It's like it just it just plateaus basically. It just it plateaus and then it starts plateaus, to go yeah. down. Exactly. Right? Okay. But, but as soon as we Good. start stressing our bodies out by making them move more, i.e., exercise, go for a run, get on the bike, making it, making it stressing the body in some way mm -hmm. then it goes it wakes itself up and it goes oh i need to i need to perform at this right. level now and it adapts and it becomes better becomes stronger becomes healthier and then you know you can start to use it the way that it's designed to use um right. and the studies the studies show in terms of students student achievement um you know the scientific studies show that um physical activity um, not only in, increases your physical well-being, but of course it increases going again to your, to your original question, your mental well-being, your cognitive ability, and therefore things like spirit, uh, spiritual, uh, you, you spoke about um, spiritual beliefs, etc. You mm -hmm. spoke about emotional, those types of things. They are all heightened by the activity that your body's doing and, of course, all, all the chemical reactions, all the positive chemical reactions mm -hmm. there. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. Look, I, I, I see, as you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I teach PE and I work with athletes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen quite alarmingly the decrease in just general physical fitness of young people over the last probably, well, I've been in Singapore for 16 years. So mm -hmm. I guess if we think of it, if I can think back to coming here, you know, um, the, the decrease in just general physical fitness in young people is, to me, it's quite staggering. Um, look, I, I think, and I do a couple of little tests with my, with my classes, mm -hmm. um, just so I can, they can gauge where they are. And I believe every young person from grade six, from grade six to grade 12, mm -hmm. so we're talking, what are we talking, 11 or 12 years old to 18 years old, mm -hmm. should be able yeah. to run for five minutes without stopping, right? Roughly a yes. kilometer without stopping, without right, stopping, yeah. without walking. The number of students who cannot run for five minutes, and I'm not talking at a fast pace, I'm talking at a jog right. without stopping, blows my mind, so, right? I think every young person in that same category should be able to do a minimum of 10 push-ups, move their own body weight off the ground. 10 times the number of young people who cannot do one single push-up blows my mind um and you know this is goes back to the the, the crux of this pillar is, is movement mm -hmm. we are not moving in a, and and I'll, I'll i'll sort of end the whole movement thing by by, by um telling you about the one thing that really annoys the hell out of me uh that i see a lot of and it starts from a young age, and I see it almost on a daily basis. And that's the number of young kids from as little as four, five, six-year-olds 
who are walking to school, mm-hmm. but they're not carrying their school bag. Right, someone else Mom, is doing it for them. Dad, oh, yeah. Big brother or sister, the helper is carrying their school bag for them. So straight away, they've learned this habit that just the simple, the mere task of carrying their own school bag is too hard for them. And if somebody else has to do that for me. And, and, and so we are teaching young people as young as four, five, six years old that these bad habits around their movement. Okay. Look, I, I can get really carried away about the site, uh, but uh, you know, I'll try and keep it really brief. And, um, but it, it really is interesting, sir. It really is interesting. Not gonna lie. Yeah. It really is. What's what's the the, the second part of the, the pillars of existence? That... So yeah, so let's move on to pillar two. What I believe is pillar two, and that's sleep. Pure and simple sleep. Okay. Um, you've heard me speak about this before. Yes, sir. Um, yes. Uh, and again, you know, I'm going to reference uh, some people, uh, particularly in some of these areas. Um, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, who wrote uh, wrote a, a really um, eye-opening book for me, uh, "Why We Sleep," um, and he's obviously he's a world world-renowned um, sleep specialist. He speaks about sleep, and quite simply, sleep is our built-in recovery system. It's our mm-hmm. built-in um, it's our built-in uh, uh, pharmacy, right? We've got all the medicine we need to be well in our bodies, mm-hmm. and right. sleep is the catalyst to unleashing that me- that medicine. True. Um, yeah. Sleep is our recovery system, as I said, but we don't use it. It's highly unused. And part of the reason, again, so going back to, to history, is uh, <clears throat> back in the back in the sixties and the seventies. You know, the average person around the world was, was averaging eight hours of sleep, right? Almost to a minimum. Right. Um, currently, currently in the world, we're, we're averaging six hours. So we've lost two hours of sleep, which is a big, big, big drop in sleep. So what, mm-hmm. what we're doing, when we're, when we're not getting enough sleep, we're not allowing our body to physically repair and to physically recover. Okay? On a sure. physical sense. So if we're training, someone like you as an athlete, if you're training and you're stressing your body through your training, whether it's in the gym doing resistance work, whether it's in the, the gym doing basketball like you do, you know, and you're stressing that body out and you're fatiguing your body, if you're not allowing that body to, re- to rest and recover mm-hmm. and recharge and grow, which is what sleep does, then and then you go out and try and do the same thing again, then you can't. Your, your, your ability to perform to your peak ability is reduced because you just have not recovered enough. So it's a it's a it's 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 a repair system. It's also um, it's also, uh, and I'll talk about it later on. But it, it, sleep is a catalyst to your cognitive development, your memory, your ability to retain information that you, particularly someone like you, you need when you're when you're in a in an exam situation. Mm. So if you're if you're not getting the right amount of sleep. Um, then you're again, you're not providing the opportunity for you to to uh, perform at anything to the best of your ability. Um, interesting thing about people like yourselves, teenagers, your circadian rhythm, which is the rhythm that our body has when it decides we need to go to sleep and when we need mm-hmm. to wake up. Right. And that's that circadian rhythm changes as we grow. So young people, toddlers, four, five, six year old, they have a different circadian rhythm to adults. Uh, your circadian rhythm, naturally, what you want to do mm-hmm. uh, is, is you want to stay up later. You want to stay up until 11, 12 o'clock at night, right? right? Yeah. And you want to be asleep still at 8 or 9 in the morning. That's how your body at your age, the way you're growing now, that's how it's the natural, that's the natural circadian rhythm that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that still allows you to have that 8, 9 hour sleep. But you don't want to go to sleep until 11, 12, sometimes one o'clock in the morning, but you mm-hmm. want to be able to sleep later on. What right. do we do is yeah. what do we do in schools? We make you what? be at school by 7 30, 8 o'clock. Right. right. Yeah. When you want when you want to be still asleep. So you guys are coming into school feeling sleepy and drowsy, and the teachers are going, wake up, you know, you, you need to pay attention. And we're actually you're fighting what your body naturally wants to do. And we're making it worse 
because we're making you get out of bed when you don't want to be getting out of bed. Right? Right. Yeah. So, so this is something that parents sort of didn't realize and they need to understand, particularly when it comes to the weekends, when you guys are sleeping still on a Saturday morning and, you know, and it's 12, 12 o'clock midday and, you know, the parents can't understand why you're still in bed and that you're lazy and you're, you're good for nothing. And, they, you know, they're thinking all these negative thoughts. The fact is you're just trying to catch up on the sleep that you weren't allowed to have at the times when you wanted to have it. True. So, so as, as a school, as an education system around the world, and this Matthew Walker talks about this extensively, we, we've, we've, we've ripped you guys off of, of opportunities to actually perform to the best of your ability physically and cognitively because we're not allowing you to sleep when you want to be sleeping. Okay. So sleep also plays a big part in reducing stress, anxiety and depression, irrational behavior, mood swings, right? Again, mm -hmm. the science has said when you get enough sleep, these things are uh, don't show as much uh, as when you don't get enough sleep. Okay. Okay. Right. So, look, I can't stress how much I've, we've had. You, you've been involved in conversations with with uh, in some of the other lessons that I've been in with you. You know, I've I've spoken about it before. Um, but mm. the fact the fact is, unless you are going to be consciously putting an effort into getting into better patterns of sleeping um, and making making it purposeful that you want to get more sleep, you're not going to be able to, if, you, if you're not doing that and you're not averaging seven and a half to eight hours every night, mm -hmm. then quite frankly, you're not giving yourself the best possible opportunity to perform, whether it's you're a basketballer, you're a musician, you're an artist, you're an academic, you know, doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what right. it is. If you're not getting enough sleep, then you're not giving your chance yourself the best possible opportunity to to um, to do the things you want to do. Um, okay. I mean, and, and, and look. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was just. I was just. I was just because. Um. I think I actually had a chat about this. Uh. With you a while back. I mean, like, even though because as athletes, right, we're we're constantly training, and sometimes, I mean, I'm trying to link this to to, to a bit a bit to diet. Because sometimes when you yeah. train so much, like your body needs the fuel. And sometimes the fuel that you get is like not enough, right? So when you when it's nighttime around nine or 10 at night and you're trying to put you, you're trying to go to sleep, like your, your body is still hungry. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm -hmm. how do you like fix that problem? Like there's, there's, a, there's a clash between the two. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's where it comes. As I said, you, you're going against what your body naturally wants to do in terms of sleep, okay? So you have to accept that. You have to realize that you can't do what your body wants to do in terms of stay up until 12 midnight and then sleep in until 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning because you have to be at, you have to be out of bed and ready to get to school in time. So you've got to understand, okay, that's not going to happen. So now you've got to change your routines and your habits to allow for you to be able to uh, get the sleep you need to be in bed by let's say 10 o'clock every night so you're up at six that gives right. you eight hours but prior to that 10 o'clock going to bed and sleeping then you've got to look at work out okay what's my what what are the, the timings going to be for my eating mm -hmm. to ensure that i've had my last meal at an uh, at a at an adequate time that it's going to not going to sit with me and it's going to allow me to get to sleep at 10 o'clock. So you've really got to sit down and start planning, almost plan your day right. and your times of, I'm going to eat here, I'm going to eat here, I'm going to eat here. And then that's going to allow me to, by 10 o'clock, by nine o'clock, I'm starting to damp, uh, to, to uh, dampen the room in terms of light. I'm, I'm having a hot shower to ensure that the blood comes to the, to, to, to the, skin, to the, to the, the surface of my skin so that I, it cools my, my core body temperature. My yeah. aircon is set. My aircon is set at like 17, 18 degrees all night. So I'm in a nice cool temperature, which allows me to sleep. And then, you know, you've got to you've got to be be really vigilant about sticking to that, to those routines throughout the day. Right. And then it becomes, you know, it's gonna take you three months, six months to get to get those routines in place. Once they're there, you know, and you're and you're disciplined with them, then it starts to become just the normal, the normal for you. Okay. Right. right. Okay. Um, 
just the last thing on sleep uh, side, you know, and it's around studying and exams. Um, and, you know, again, Matthew Walker talks about it in his book about how, and I've really, I want to simplify this as simple as I possibly can, but essentially if I'm a student at school and I go to school and I've had a really good seven and a half, eight hour sleep the night mm -hmm. before and I, and right. I go to school the next day mm -hmm. and I'm sitting in a class and I'm learning new knowledge. And if that mm -hmm. new knowledge is for the very first time in my life, I've heard that two plus two equals four, right? Right, yeah. And that's the first time I've heard that. And then I go home and I, and I hear that and I put that knowledge inside and then I go home and I have another good seven and a half, eight hours sleep again. Mm -hmm. The likelihood of me being able to retain that knowledge in three months' time increases significantly than if the night before I've had six hours sleep and I come to school and somebody tells me two plus two equals four, then I go home again and have another six hours sleep. Three months' time, if somebody asks me what two plus two equals, it's, there's a high chance that I, I won't know the answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's me just simplifying it into real, real basic terms. The important, the importance of of sleep, of sleep in terms bro. of in terms of you as a student uh, wanting to retain knowledge to be able to regurgitate that knowledge for mm -hmm. the purposes of of passing an exam. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. How's that sounding so far? Yeah, really, really informative. Really informative. Um, I, I get really passionate about this, so I just start rambling, you know. And so, uh, don't don't be scared to stop me. And uh, yeah, no, it's 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 just really informative, a lot of informative knowledge. Because um, I mean, I, I know you talked about this earlier, but it's really good to hear hear that back again. Because ever since I started, like, I have I, I've I mean I've I've been trying to catch up on my sleep. Yes, definitely. But like in terms of the other stuff and like why it helps and everything, it's really informative too. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, I think the key thing, the key thing, yeah. Sai, is just being disciplined, you know, and being and, and thinking, right, I want to perform the best mm -hmm. of my ability. You know, for you, you're a basketballer. I know you, you're an academic as well, you know. So, you know, if you want to be the best you possibly can at, at those things or whatever, whatever else you do, then right. you have to acknowledge and then put in place systems that are going to allow you to get the sleep you need so that you can make the most of those of, of what you want to do, right? Definitely. It's as simple yes. as that. It's, it's as simple as that. I can't, I can't say it any more clearer than that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just. I think it's just about being organized, um, with your time, um, as well. Yeah. Because you need to get that yeah. eight up. So, you need to get that eight hours, uh, eight hours of sleep. So you gotta decide what you're gonna do with the rest, with, with the rest of the sixteen hours, and make sure that you like perform effectively, um, both academically and as a, as an as an athlete as well, so that you get that yeah. eight hour block definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really informative um, in terms of the sleep. Thank you so much for that. What, what's the What's the third pillars of, pillar of existence? Um, the third The third pillar is just simply eating. So you can. I mean, I've really I simplified it. these, and I haven't used all these really fancy words like nutrition or, or diet. You know, it's just simply eating, and it's and it's you know it's understanding again how significant eating is in your existence, right? Right. And the part and how big, how big a part eating plays in your ability to be healthy and your ability to be able to function the way that, that we are designed to function. Okay? Right. Um, and it's understanding that anything we eat provides or does not provide the right fuel for our body and our brain to function. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, the whole sort of uh, the, the, the cliche throwaway quote is, you know, you are what you eat mm -hmm. uh, is 100% true. It's 100% true, right? And, and you know, we have to realize that we live, again, now our world is full of artificial and processed food. True. And we yeah. can open, a, we, we, can, we, can, we can go to, to any grocery store and buy packets of food that's been super processed and had additives and all these different types of things added to them. Uh, but that and that they've been marketed as being having high nutritional value, um, but quite simply, you know, we need to go back to keeping things simple and and focusing on real food. And when I'm talking about real food, I'm talking about fruit, vegetables, fish, meat, 
you know, any plants, edible plants, um, things that if you've had them in your refrigerator for too long, they're probably mm -hmm. going to rot and go off, right? right to yeah. me, and again, to, you know, listening to, to various people on this topic, um, anything that's, that's going to go bad in a short period of time is mm -hmm. probably a lot better for you if it's eaten fresh than, than something that you can sit in your cupboard and you can get it out after three months and, and, it's, it's, and, and, and eat it then. There's obviously so many chemicals that have been put into that product to allow it to stay in your cupboard for three months um, that there can't be any nutritional value in it. Uh, so my, my, my sort of simple message around food and eating is keep it simple, um, keep it alive. You know, anything that was alive, anything that, that, that has grown Mm -hmm. um, is going to be far better for you than anything that has been made, artificially made. Um, and in saying that, you know, I think moderation is the key. I'm not saying don't go and have burgers and pizza and, you know, things like that um, mm -hmm. because it's impossible. It's unrealistic uh, for you guys to think, well, I'm, not, I'm never going to have takeaway food again and, and you know, because that's, 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 that's not realistic. But it's about understanding when you can have that type of food. But right. the majority of your food should be, again, in my opinion, that real simple basic food that, um, you know, the fruit, the vegetables, the meats, et cetera, the stuff right. that, uh, that's, that's grown. I mean, speaking of diets, or what do you, because um, I think over, over a period of time, people have, I mean, especially athletes and people have actually started talking about, a lot about plant-based diets. So... What do you, what, what's your opinion? What's your take on like plant-based uh, diets? You know, I mean, you have, you have, you have your normal fruits, you have vegetables and stuff like that, but like sort of the ones that sort of replace the meat. So you have like these yeah. soya bean chunks and stuff like that. Well, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Look, I, I know I've listened to, and not a lot, but I have, I have done some listening and, and research on both sides. I'm a meat lover personally. You know, right. I, I tried the plant. I tried the plant-based diet for about uh, six weeks. Um, uh, I didn't dislike it. Um, you know, it was fine, mm. but it just—it's just—it's just not a lifestyle for me. I think it comes down to, to lifestyle choice. Mm. I think you can mm. get benefits. I can get benef You can get benefits in terms of performance uh, and whatever you want to achieve in your performance from either either uh, uh, type of diet, right? whether it's right. plant-based or whether it's the carnivore diet when you're just eating meat and eggs and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've tried that as well, um, you know, just to sort of uh, see what they're like. Uh, huh? Again, both of them, I, I didn't mind. But at the end of the day, for me, I, I try and keep a balance between the two, you know. So I, I make sure I eat, I'm eating a lot of, again, my own personal perspective, um, I'm eating a lot of uh, fruit, uh, sorry, a lot, of, uh, a lot of vegetables during the day, salads, um, and then I'm having having a, a good portion of meat uh, during the day, and then fish, uh, fruits as well. So I'm balancing up. I, my my sort of uh, my rule of thumb size. I try to to eat clean, mm -hmm. eat clean uh, right. Monday yeah. to Friday, mm -hmm. and then on the weekends I'll splash out and probably have a, have have a have a pizza or or a burger or something, you know, uh, along right. with a beer or something like that, uh, and then try and get back on track again. And, and that seems to be uh, doable for me. Mm -hmm. for my lifestyle yeah. you know i can right. i can eat clean during the week and then i can sort of if i want to if i choose to I, I can i can i can splash out you know but you know it's just just moderation yeah i mean since you brought up the, the term clean um eating clean i mean there, there was actually this um this nfl documentary that i saw the, that was made based around the new new england patriots and they were just comparing how um nfl players used to eat back in the day back in the 70s and 80s and how they eat yeah. now so like when comparing yeah. like back then they used to like just eat whatever they wanted because that sort of gave them the fuel and the satisfaction to perform out in the field. Like some of them used to like smoke and like drink sometimes before the games. But then now you yeah. look at it, it's all just like meat. Like you can't do any of the, you can't like, you have to eat um, clean, you know, vegetables, yeah. fruits, uh, almond milk, yeah. um, nuts and everything. So yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely changed. And in terms of the plant-based thing that you just talked about, I mean, first, because I'm a vegetarian, I've been a vegetarian my yeah. whole life. So like, yeah. I mean, I, I have friends who, who eat meat and it's, it's, it looks really tempting to me, but like, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, like, like, like you said, the normal fruits and vegetables, I mean, I, 
I've I literally grew up on that, you know, eating eating like three to four yep. apples or like two uh, two to three oranges a day, you know, that sort of just gave me the fuel and that's a healthier option as as, as a yep. snack, you know, eating nuts, yep. cashews, yep. almonds, stuff like that. Um, yep. And then ever since uh, like, like the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Meat Burgers were made, I mean, those were sort of like my replacement during the times when I couldn't right. eat eggs for lunch. And I would say yep. that nutritionally it's it's really good because it really gave me the fuel that i needed to burn and i felt so much better and uh, so much better when i was working out or when i was going for training or whatever it is right Right. so um yeah i mean i I feel that like you said in diet right it's it's not about diet diet is it's really it's broad right but it's more about eating the right things for your body i mean because it not only has it it not only has an effect on your physical side of things, right? Improving your muscle mass or whatever it is, but also mentally, like how you feel, your emotions. You know, if you eat, like, let's say if you, I actually, I actually sort of did like a test, but I didn't, look in, I didn't do an official study, but I did like a test to see how my, how I felt like personally when I ate, like mm-hmm. um, when I ate fruits versus eating like a bar of chocolate or something like that, right? And I would say that when I ate a bar of chocolate, it, it gave me, it made me feel happy, but at the same time, there was like a crash and burn, like, I was happy and yeah. then I went down yeah. to like depressed yeah. or sad versus yeah. eating a piece of fruit or the nuts, you know, and how that makes me feel like, even though I'm not, I will, I will, my mood won't change, but it will, it would constantly keep improving and getting better. Yeah. I think too. Uh, so one of the things I sort of mentioned, particularly when I was speaking to the parents about this is that as, as parents, they have to reduce the options that their children have for going to junk food uh, mm-hmm. within their homes, for example, you know, they have to start teaching them to prepare their own food and, and, you know, cook with them. Um, and, and the only options in their house should be healthy options. So you're talking about fruit, for example. So when you're buying groceries and you're buying food for the week for your household, um, you know, think about if the only option that they've got to have a snack is a, is a piece of fruit, or a piece mm-hmm. of vegetable or something, then if they're hungry, they're going to eat it, right? But if you've got right. options like cakes and biscuits and, and all of these other, other things, then yeah. and, the, and the choice is between a piece of fruit and a piece of cake, mm-hmm. they're probably going to take the cake, right? But if that choice yep, is not exactly. there, it's taken away, then, you know, they're going to eat one. And I think the other thing I noticed, so I remember hearing a story about um, one, uh, one parent sort of spoke to me and said, look, I've realized that I need to take my credit card off my son's uh, grab <laughs> app so that he's not ordering, um, you know, McDonald's in the middle right. of the night when he feels hungry, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's another thing that sort of I've spoken to parents about. Yeah, I think the other thing so I just right. wanted to touch on with the whole food thing is that, you know, again, from what I've seen with the kids that I see at school, and particularly when they come to PE lessons, I've noticed, um, I've noticed an increase in body size in young people over the years as well. Uh, and I sort of, it became more apparent to me uh, more recently when I, when I was starting to really sort of take notice of it. And I think, again, with the onset of uh, delivery services, food delivery services like Grab and Food Panda mm-hmm. and Deliveroo and those types of things, um, it's often easy for parents um, to go for that, that quick, easy option for dinner. And often those choices are, um, you know, not ideally as nutritious as cooking your own meals can be. And so as a result, um, uh, we're not getting into what, what's called a calorie deficit. So I don't know if you've heard that term before, calorie deficit, but basically um, it means that you are um, moving or burning more calories than you're ingesting. Right, so you're you're so active that the amount of food that you're putting into your body, and this doesn't this doesn't matter it doesn't really matter what type of food it is, but the calories you're putting into your body are less than the calories that you're using to move and that you're burning, whether you're training or what it is that your lifestyle is, and when you're in a calorie deficit, then um, you're not going to put on as much weight. You're not gonna you're not gonna you know become fat basically. You know you're right. not gonna get out of shape, and I think. The majority of our of our population these days are not operating in a calorie deficit. Okay, 
And so the consequence of that is that we're getting bigger. We're getting bigger and bigger. And that, 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 that's, you know, we, as I said, we're getting fatter. Um, right. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of lifestyles. And I think one of the points I want to make, one of the discussion I had about this was I, I was speaking to somebody and they said to, us, said to me, well, we sort of, the, the, him and I, we, we sort of come to the same conclusion. And that is that everything is so politically correct these days. And you can't mm -hmm. body shame people, which I completely understand, right? You can't call somebody fat or mm -hmm. say, hey, you look, you've, got, you've got bigger, you've got, you're, right. you're, you're fatter than you used to be. Right, exactly. Because yeah. you can't, you can't, you know, that's politically that's incorrect, mm -hmm. you know. And as a result of that, well, this, this again, this was our discussion. It was almost like that's given fat people the license or the opportunity to go. I can just keep doing what I'm doing because nobody's calling me out on it. Right, true. right. That is true. But, yes, yes. I you know, that. yes. So, so, you know, I mean. All of the politically correct people out there will probably jump down my throat about the fact that I've said that, but that's that's sort of what's sort of indicative of our culture today is that we you know it, we have to be nice to everybody, so we can't sort of say to those our friends or to people we know, gee, you're getting a bit you're getting a bit fatter, um, right? Because we we don't want to upset their their feelings and and their emotions, right? Right. But true. as a consequence, as a consequence, we are silently sort of saying. Yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. You keep getting out of shape and keep getting getting fatter and and, and unhealthier, um, and that's sort of the that's the, sort of the the silent message, I guess, um, which I thought was an in interesting point that my friend and I sort of had a very lengthy discussion about uh, when it comes to that. I mean, so, so that's that that's one way to look at it. But the other way is also like like friends friends for example, you have a friend who's like close to you, right? And he like you. He he's put on weight and everything, right? And even though you tell him that you're you're out of shape, like you need to go to the gym, you need to just like start going for runs or walks, going up hills, right? And they don't listen to you. You know, those type of people, yeah. those type of people who are like ignorant of yeah. like, you know, a, a friend who started looking out for you and like saying that this is not looking good on you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's and you got to be pretty close to that person for them to really understand that you're just trying to help as well. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Look, the last pillar, Sai, is um, yes, I've called it uh, a cognitive response. It's our ability, our ability to respond cognitively. And I guess what I'm essentially saying is the ability for us to improve our brain, the way our brain works, mm -hmm. and the way that it adapts. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, you know, there's other words. I think some of the, some of the um, scientific terms are cognitive plasticity and, and, and mm -hmm. things like that. But, um, you know, what we've got to understand, and, and as I said earlier, I, I believe that all of these four pillars are just as important as each other. Not one is more important than the other. Okay? So okay. it's not like, oh, as long as I do one, two, and four, I'm mm -hmm. fine. You know, for me, these are all as important as, as each other and not one shouldn't be held at higher esteem than the other. And so the whole cognitive response thing is just understanding that our brain will continue to adapt by, by being uncomfortable. So like, like our body and our brain, if we just operate at the same level the whole time, then the brain will just go into automatic pilot and it won't actually, it won't actually uh, improve. So you won't build more or uh, new circuits, new neurons in the brain to, to be able to ex expand the cap capacity of your brain, right? So you've got to put yourself into challenging situations, you know, and, and, and as, a, as a student, you're in that pretty much um, almost, you know, every day with learning new knowledge and mm. solving problems and critical thinking and all that sort Definitely. of thing. Yes. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to building new skills, and it doesn't matter what field those skills are, whether it's, it's, it's music or sport or, or creative arts or, or, or anything, you know, um, we, have to, um, we have to understand that skills and behavior are the result of repetition mm -hmm. and deep practice, right? And what happens is as we start to learn a new skill in our brain, new circuits are formed. So electricity connects and we're creating new circuits the first time we start that new skill. Right. And that new skill, for example, the easiest, again, 
one of the easiest examples to share to help you understand this is when we learn to walk as as yeah as babies, right? The first time we stand on our feet, we take that first step, and our brain circuits are starting to join together, and they they're being electrified, and that's the start of that skill. Right. So you fall down, you fall down, and then you get up and you you try again, and then what happens is this this uh, the substance called myelin starts to build around that those those initial circuits. And then you, keep, you you fall down, so you get up again. And you mm -hmm. keep trying, and you're falling down. And as you're falling down, and as you get up each time, more myelin is surrounding that circuit, which makes that circuit stronger. So then you start to work. You know, you take three, three or four steps, and then the myelin's going around again. And then mm -hmm. you start to learn to walk. And by the time you've learned to walk properly, that's, those initial circuits that you created are oh. now fully encompassed in strong myelin. And that's what stays with us all our lives right. as we as we walk, right? That that yes. that's we've developed that skill, and it's just got stronger and stronger by this myelin substance that that surrounds that circuit. Right. So when okay. we learn a new skill, when you learn to shoot a, a basketball, mm -hmm. the first time you do it, you know your actions probably your techniques probably shocking. Right. You know you, the ball's gone somewhere completely different. But the right. first time you do that that movement. The circuits are going off in your brain and, and they're connecting. And then the more you practice it, the more that myelin is surrounding those circuits. And that's how you develop that skill. So it's basically just 10,000 hours. Well, that's another that's another concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's another concept as well. We can talk about that another time, but that's certainly a big part of it, right? right. Um, and then what happens is the more you put, the harder that, that, um, that learning becomes. So mm -hmm. the more mistakes you make, you know, you take that shot and you, you keep making mistakes. The more mistakes right. you make, and then the more you self-correct, the stronger that circuit becomes. Right. If you if you make if you for the very first time you pick up a basketball and make a shot and it goes in, mm -hmm. and then you're able to do that again, your actual the strength of that circuit is not going to be str as strong and as powerful as the strength of somebody who made who missed that shot twenty times before they made it, but persevered with trying to trying to perfect the technique right does that make right. sense right so sir um so you okay so in, in the current example right so you take a shot and you miss it you make you miss it 20 times right so you you're persevering to keep going and just keep continuing until you make the shot right so yep. that like you said that circuit's also connecting but and because a cognitive response is basically how your brain your brain reacts to it right so your brain yep. sort of familiarizes it familiarizes it and like sort of takes into the lesson that it learns is that you know failure is okay you got to keep making mistakes and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's what it that's what it does right when you when you what's the most go, exactly going back to my initial point the most common skill that we all have as human beings is the ability is, to walk exactly to right? walk right right so we learned that by falling down hundreds of times when we were depending on what age we first tried to take our first steps right, right? Nobody True. got up straight away and was able to walk. Well, perhaps you know, there's, there's probably some outliers out there that did that. But the fact is, because we failed and we kept trying and we learned and we, we, we adjusted as toddlers, we adjusted and we realized that oh, if I lean too far this way, I'm going to fall that way, you know, and all mm -hmm. these little subtleties, we worked right. these out and we were going into deep practice. We didn't know it, but that's what we were doing. We we're going into this really deep practice of analyzing it, correcting and then try and again, make a mistake. Okay, reanalyze, recorrect, try again. Mm. The whole time you're reanalyzing, the whole time you're recorrecting, you're adjusting, you're adapting, that skill is getting stronger and stronger and stronger to the right. point now where we don't even think about the fact that I can get up and just walk now, right? Mm. So it's like anything. If you, and this is where we talk about celebrating mistakes and failure. If you, are, if you take 20 times before you even get the technique right, Okay, you're going to develop a lot of a, a lot more of a stronger circuit for that skill. But the person who comes up, picks the ball up for the first time and fires it and gets it correct, they'll have that they'll have that skill, but it won't necessarily be as strong mm -hmm. as the person who had to go through all of that failure to be able to to get that same success. Because not just inside, not just in the skill in the, in the cognitive, but also. And the other thing you spoke about, which is the resilience and the character, resilience, 
the perseverance, you know, the, go working through that challenge on, on, a, on a character level as much as it was on a cognitive level. Right. Because the thing is, when you, uh, like you said, right, because when you keep feeling over and over again, and like you said, when you're comparing the person who made the shot the first time and the person who made the shot on, the, on his 20th or, or her 20th attempt, right? Because the, because the fact that the person who made the shot on their 20th attempt, their foundation is so much stronger than the one who made the shot on the first attempt. And yeah, I mean, and, and that's why they're able to like go through with life and be able to embrace, like you said, embrace mistakes, celebrate mistakes and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So these are just, these are just some examples of the way that we cognitively respond as, as I've termed it to, to adapting our brain so that we can use our brain again, the way it was used, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, our brain will it will it will develop under stress, like the body, like I alluded to earlier with the body. When you put the brain under stress and you make it freak out, it's going to get stronger. Yeah. Right. And 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 I and I reference Dr. John Ratty, who who wrote the book called Spark, which um, it was all about how exercise improves the performance of your brain, mm-hmm. and he talks about the need for us to grow our brain by stressing it out. Right. And exactly. if we don't. If we don't stress our brain, then it starts to decay. So, we're so, so you're talking, he talks about growth versus decay and then activity versus inactivity and how the two are the, uh, lined up with each other. So in other words, if you've got, if you want your body to grow, then you have to actively stimulate your body and your, and, and your brain. Mm-hmm. If you don't, it's going to decay through inactivity, either brain inactivity or body inactivity then mm-hmm. it's going to decay. It's going to drop. Your, your brain will die, essentially, okay? Because you're right. not sparking, you're not using it. So like, the, like I said, the brain and the body have been designed for us to push it, to stress it, to freak it out so it really starts to grow. And that's okay. what we don't do enough of, okay? We True. try and make things easy for ourselves too much. And we're not getting that myelin building up in our brains with new circuits because we're not putting it under enough uh, stress. Um, and we're not, as, as, as we, you and I just spoke about, we're not allowing ourselves and as parents, this is what I said to the parents, the parents aren't allowing their children to make mistakes because they don't want their kids to be traumatized by the fact that they got something wrong or they did it wrong. Right. Whereas what they should be doing is saying, go ahead and make as many mistakes as you can obviously, as long as you don't hurt yourself in the process, but make those mistakes because that's how you're going to adapt. That's how your body is going to adapt to that stress or your brain. You're going to learn. You're going to become better. You're going to become stronger. So you're saying that that parents shouldn't pick their kids up when they fall. Unless, of course, it's a serious thing. You know, a kid falls down in a park. And if the parent who rushes over and makes a big deal out of it, you know, is doing more harm than good to their, uh, to, their, to their child. The parent who sits back and lets their child put themselves up and sort of look and see what's going on and deal with the problem, mm-hmm. or when they start freaking out, they sort of say, you're fine, carry on, and not make a big deal out of it. That right. child has learning to adapt, okay? Um, so, you know, this is, this, is, this is how the brain works. And this is why the brain and the body are so well connected. Right. Um, is that we, and I guess the, the, the biggest thing here is that we need to understand that uh, we need to consciously stress our bodies out and we need to consciously stress our brains out. And then we need to understand that if we get the recovery process right, after we've done mm-hmm. those, put those, those parts under stress through sleep and then the right kind of fuel and eating, then we can go through that whole process again and we can grow and we can develop and we can exceed uh, what we have, uh, anything we've done in the past. Definitely. Um, I mean, I mean, sir, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've actually talked a lot. I've actually talked a lot about this, but um, have you heard this Navy? He's, he's actually a, um, he's now a motivational speaker, but he was a Navy SEAL. Um, his name is David Goggins. Um, have I you heard, heard of yeah. right so yeah. i mean you, you must you must have heard like have you heard of his podcast with uh, joe rogan about how he wasn't he wasn't always the guy who was like extremely fit you know he he was a fat guy and everything right and yeah. i think one, one of the 
the the key elements of his whole podcast, his whole speech was um his his I mean like as you know like all Navy SEALs have to go through one week of training called Hell Week where they don't they don't even sleep they sleep for like four to five hours that whole yeah. week and they just train yeah. literally right so like you said yeah. it's it's being able to adapt to those type of conditions where you're tested mentally to not give up on yourself and to just just to keep going right that that same yeah. cognitive response and how your yeah. brain responds to that situation of you know I'm I'm really tired I, I can't I can't do this anymore whereas uh in, instead you should be doing the positive response of you know just telling your brain to keep going because at the end of it you know you're gonna be a navy seal or you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna be a successful person i mean that's that's the whole thing with life as well right like when you're going through hard times um and you, you're constantly working you're working you're working you're working and then you you're like why why am i not getting the results that i want or like why am i not you know achieving the goals that i want to do right so like that's when you actually start start to change up things because you have you have nothing first you have nothing to lose and it's always good to try something new to make sure that it works, right? So how your brain responds to those as well, yeah. Absolutely. Look, I, I've just read something uh, a couple of weeks ago over the Christmas break. I was reading a, a book and they spoke about, um, it was to, to do with how to, to uh, help out um, high-performing young athletes. And one of the things, I, one of the chapters was about the, the influence the brain has on the body and the studies that have been done with high-performing athletes in various sports and how they basically, to, 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 to simplify it for you, um, they realize that athletes at the top level often reach that top level because they have the ability to not listen to their body. What I mean by that is that our brain will say to our body, oh, you need to stop doing what you're doing because you're putting yourself under too much stress, particularly when we get into situations where, you know, where we're, where we're fatigued or we're doing some kind of exercise that it starts. So you, feel, you feel that burn. Right. Right. Yeah. So when your body feels that burn, your brain is the one that says, "Okay, stop doing that because you're going to damage yourself." But the research has said, and the science and the science scientific literature says through the research that's been done, if you were that's your brain's coping mechanism to stop to stop you from exceeding what the brain believes you can, you're only uh, capable of uh, accomplishing. So. What they realized was that those people who ignored those signals and actually self-talked, to, spoke to themselves and used self-talk to say, I can go further, I can still mm-hmm. keep going, and they, they ignore that signal from the brain, they can push right. their body to do a lot more. And this is essentially what you're talking about, uh, David uh, Goggins was, a, was able to do. The most, yeah, exactly. recent, the most recent example of that was on the weekend. And I don't know if you're a tennis fan, but Rafael, Rafael Nadal was playing the Australian Open mm-hmm. yes. in the final. He was down two sets to two sets to love. Uh, in the third set, he was down 40 nil, 40 love, and yes. uh, whatever the game was, etc. Um, yeah. And he came back mm-hmm. to win that game three sets to two. Mm-hmm. So, to me, after hearing this information and reading this information, all I could think of was during that game, he's constantly talking to himself, saying whatever he needs to say, but it's all self-talk mm-hmm. that right. I'm still in this game. I put in the time and the hours. I know how to play this game, once one 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 stroke at a time, you know. And he was able to talk himself back into into winning that game. And so it's the same sort of process, right? It's the same thing. Whether it's Rafael Nadal in the in the Australian Open final or David Goggins in the in the uh, the Hell Week, it's this, it's the ability for you to talk to yourself and say, "I can keep going." You know, my body will follow what, what my mind tells it to do, mm-hmm. right? Right. That's, that's the big difference between the people who make it to the top and the people who don't. Is their ability to use that brain power to make the body do what it needs to do. Right. I mean, so that's, yeah. that's that cognitive response. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right on that aspect. You know, um, there are those who are extremely successful because they take it, one, they, they take it a day at a time right they focus on the now than on the future i mean yes there are there are a few of them who always think about they're always positive in terms of thinking about what's going to be for them like so they're like if i do this then i will i know that i will be really good at the sport like if if i'm if i'm able to 
um, exercise every day for uh, three times a day for the next two months, I know that I will be, I will lose 10 K 10 kilos or whatever. Right. So, you know, that there's that level of hope at the end of it and you don't like give up no matter what. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, I, I guess just, just to finish things off for you, Sai, um, in terms of, of the next steps and, and what you can do around these pillars, I think the first thing is uh, I, I speak about identifying and discussing where you're at now, either as, a, as, a, as, a, as an individual, you know, whether you're a, a young person listening to this, whether you're a parent, you know, where is it that you're at now uh, as an individual, but also perhaps as a family, particularly if it's, if it's parents that, are, that have, have, been, have been listening. And, and you know, what are the things that you need? You might need to change to to improve the pillars of existence within your context, yeah. um, and then set standards. Okay, let's set some standards around our physical activity, around our our sleep, around our eating. Um, you know, and, and just challenging ourselves a bit more, and perhaps do it as a family and little steps. Um, I think particularly, again, with parents, parents need to model these behaviors. They don't necessarily need to make a big deal out of it and, and sort of announce that they're doing these things. But mm-hmm. by just making subtle changes in the type of food they have in the house, uh, the fact that they might be, you know, setting uh, regular sleep hours, uh, they're, they're going out and doing physical activity so children can see this and perhaps say, hey, come for a walk with me or come for a run with me or let's go and kick mm-hmm. a ball around, etc." I think... Um, I think one of the big things is which I which I strongly recommend is that um, everybody doesn't matter who it is needs to engage in some kind of aerobic activity. Uh, I would say for six days of the week for about forty five minutes, sixty minutes, some kind of activity that aerobically gets your your your, your system working. Okay, um, and if we think about it, you know this is a really cool stat that I like to drop in this fact that sixty minutes, one hour is around about 4% of your day. So when you say, I don't have enough time, you know, when you say, I don't have enough time, an hour is too long, I don't have an hour in my day, you're talking about 4% of your day Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think is achievable for you to have some kind of physical activity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think as parents too, we need to acknowledge uh, the effort of our children when they're trying to make these changes rather than the performance or the results. So... You know, when you can see, again, this is mainly for parents, but when parents can see that their child is trying to make an, a change and they're putting in an effort to go outside and be more active, then don't comment on the actual activity, but comment on the attitude and the effort that they've shown to actually go out and do that as a change to, to their normal. Right. Right. Because sure. we like to hear more about our effort and our attitude, which t- tends to drive us to keep doing that more than oh, you only went out and did a 2K run? Why couldn't you do 3K, right? Right. So, you know, and then, and also if you say, oh, well done, you know, there was a good 2K run, it was good to see you running 2K, then the message is, okay, I only have to run 2K and then I'm doing enough, right? True. Whereas if you're saying fantastic effort, good to see you being consistent with going out and being active, um, you know, it's going to pay off in the long run. You're actually not highlighting whatever the distance was, you're actually highlighting the fact that they've made the effort and they've put in the effort to do that. And that's what's more important than the actual. And that 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 sort of praise, I guess, or that acknowledgement is going mm-hmm. to be a lot more beneficial than focusing on the performance of what they what they achieve. And the last thing, side for me is just consistency. Like anything we do, uh, as an athlete, as an academic, as a parent, as a teacher, right? We've just got to be consistent to make those changes. And then those changes don't become a change. They just become normal, normal part right. of our, of our life. So um, look for me. So those are the, what I, I sort of think uh, are our um, pillars of existence. We have to move. We have to be getting the right amount of sleep. We have to eat the right stuff. And we just have to challenge our brain by, you know, reading, by listening, by by engaging in puzzles or something, something that's going to challenge our brain to make it grow, keep it alive. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of that's where I'm at in terms of that. I think it's it's a it's a really really simple thing, but we, right. we often forget about it because of its simplicity. Right. Okay. 
Thank you so much for your time, uh, Mr. T. Um, I mean, definitely, personally, I learned a lot in this one sec. It's it's close an hour actually. I learned a yeah. lot in this one hour, um, and I know now I know what I can do to make myself better. And probably one of the reasons why I actually like. I mean, I, I've sort of highlighted because the thing is with me, like like you said, right? Um, I I just I, I just don't want to stop. I I just want to keep going. Right, my machines like that. I just want to keep going. I I, I don't want to do one hour. I want to do three hours a day, four hours a day. Right. I want to exercise. That that's how much I want to exercise. Right. So I, I sort of realized like why my body's sort of doing that. And I think you've really highlighted the the four pillars of existence that would be really informative for the audience and especially to the youth parents um, who are listening in and tuning into this podcast. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I truly appreciate it. We truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm just going to stop uh, recording uh, now. Thanks, Sai. Thanks. Thank you.